Zen Parenting Radio. My name is Todd Jason Adams. My name is Kathy Adams. What's your middle name? Um, it, now it's Kasani yeah. because that's my maiden name. So now I go by Kathy Kasani Adams. No longer Marie. No longer Marie. Um, Marie, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about today? Um, we're going to talk about um, ways to support your children when they are hurting. And does this have to be um, children who are three-year-olds three year or 13-year-olds? Or what type of well, children are I we talking about? Well, I think this is more um, in the realm of when your children can talk with you. Now, children can talk with you once they're two and up. Mm-hmm. This isn't necessarily when your children are hurting, when they're infants or when they're babies. This is children who can process their emotions, and we can teach them about their emotions. But hopefully through this half hour, um, we will be able to help people of all ages as long as they're you know, two oh, years Oh, definitely. Or above. And I think really... As I always say on this show, the things we're going to talk about today are universal. Mm -hmm. So this is also helpful in a partnership. This is helpful with your mom. This is helpful with a friend. These are just universal ways to help people to validate what people are feeling. But the examples that we're going to use are parenting your children. Yes, and and the reason that I thought this would be nice to talk about is last week on um, Oprah's show. And Oprah's going off the air tomorrow, by the way. Debbie Downer. I know, which is just devastating to me because it's been are you gonna cry oh my gosh do you want to know me? how you're gonna cry how am the, I gonna the cry? reason i know you're gonna cry is because you cry every time you watch that show i know do you know how important oprah is to me as far as how much she's taught me and i know it's it sounds generic everybody says that but truly i you know her radio show her magazine no, i just had an idea show. we should have her on as a guest perfect and then that way we'll be able to teach her as much as you've taught us. Oh, yeah. As she's taught us. And you know what? I bet she's not going to be busy at all now that the show is going to be over. That's right. She's got nothing but free time. Yeah. Oprah, if you're listening, give us a call. 773-251-6344. That's, That's my right. cell number. You, well, now you're going to have all these people calling you. Do you really want that out there? Bring it. <laughs> Do you really? Sure. Okay, honey. You're, you're brave. We'll talk about Zen Parenting Radio. I love to talk about it. Okay. I'm silly. Well, anyway. I'm a silly guy. So anyway, last week, um, uh, this guy named Dr. Gary Newman was on, and he was talking about um, children who go through a divorce. Um, and he was a re- he was a reoccurring guest because he was on I don't know four or five years ago, and um, th- he had some children on who had experienced the loss of their mother. She basically her the parents were divorced, but then she left. She just basically took off. And so he was, um, you know, it was kind of like, what's going on with them now? Okay. And he was talking to them about their feelings. And I think the thing that's most clear after seeing that and knowing this from my own professional experience is this is not a pain that goes away. Right. And I think one thing that's most in, was most interesting to me in the interview is that Dr. Newman talked to the dad, who's a wonderful man, who's doing the best he can, who has his own emotions and grief that he's dealing with. But one of the things the dad said was, I will feel that this whole experience has it is has come to closure and is full circle once my children don't hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that right there is the problem. Okay. Because I think when our children are hurt by something so significant, if it be um, they've gone through a bullying experience mm-hmm. or a death in the family, especially a parent, my goodness, or divorce, which right. is like a death of the family, right. they hurt. And that, that hurt doesn't it may not be as prominent as years go by but it will always be there it'll be in the background it will at a minimum like let's think about it you know not to be debbie downer again but to bring up you know think about losses in your life and people that we've lost do you say oh no i don't hurt about that anymore of course not when it gets brought up to the forefront um 
you feel that pain again and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing as parents we try and shy away from is we don't want our kids to feel pain and that is a insane request. I know, and it's a natural thing for parents to want to remove pain from their children's lives because they think that that be, well probably because, you know, if I see one of my daughters in pain, that hurts me, so I want to remove that as a possibility, so I'm going to do something to try to remove it. I think that's a very natural thing. I'm not saying it's a healthy thing. I think right. you're right. But I do think that it is natural for an instinct. I'm not going to say it's our first instinct or second instinct, but it's a very natural thing to try to protect your kids from hurting. And what I need to remind myself and maybe everybody else is that hurting or suffering, if you want to use a you know a more extreme term, is a way to grow. Right? It's a way to grow, and it's part of what makes us human. We cannot avoid. I don't, we have talked about this on the show so many times, but it's so important. It needs to be said again. We cannot avoid feeling sadness. We cannot avoid challenging situations. We can't avoid them. Um, they come. They may not come as much. Mm-hmm. Meaning, we may live our life in such a way where we don't experience as many. Right. I'm completely in alignment with that. But the truth is, is that sad things happen. Right. And do we shut it down and mm-hmm. pretend it's not happening and say, no, I'm not going to feel that? I think oftentimes the whole idea of being optimistic or being a positive person, people get the idea that that means you don't feel any other emotion but joy. Right. Well, what about this? It's um, it's okay to try to avoid it, maybe. Sure. sure. But when it does happen, right. don't, present, don't pretend that it's not there. Well, you know... Avoiding it to me would mean that you make choices in your life that are you know, healthy, that are healthy for you. Right. So you don't set yourself up for negative situations to feel pain. But what you're saying is the human experience is everybody hurts. Thank like you. in yes. the words of Michael Stipe from REM, everybody hurts. Oh, that was nice. Thank you. I yeah. was I was in tune. That, yeah, that was good. Um, that must be from your piano playing. Sometime. A little too much there. <laughs> yeah, Isn't that his next line? Yeah, it is. I yes, think, thank you. It didn't really sound like that song anymore. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of you lost the R.E.M. vibe. But anyway, that is the point, is that we, and and especially children who are so in tune with their feelings. I mean, children just know what they're feeling. And Until they we screw it up. It. Until we tell them, don't feel that way. Yeah, we'll take it from here. We will remove, and you know, one thing we always say is, on this show is, Allow yourself and your children to feel their feelings. That's right. Right? And teach your... And the goal is is to not have a child who, you know, a lot of um, people will say, well, then my child is just going to act out and that's okay and they can, you know, have a tantrum and that's okay. No. When they are having the experience of feelings and when they are letting those feelings go, give them some tools to deal with it. But at the same time, going back to when our children are hurting, probably the most valuable thing you can do... Mm-hmm is allow them to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that parents are really challenged with. They don't often want... I've heard so many parents say to me, well, I'm not even going to ask my child that question because I don't even want to know, or I don't even want to go there, or um, you know, I don't want to hear what she or he has to say about that because it could be too painful. And, and why do you think parents might be in a position to do that? Because it well, makes them uncomfortable, right? It makes right? them uncomfortable. And maybe because they don't know what to do? Yeah, and you know, we have to be... We have to kind of own up to that, that... A lot of times we don't ask our kids or our spouse mm-hmm. or our significant other, other, our partner, our friend, we don't ask them what's going on because it's too uncomfortable and it's too painful for well, us. And maybe the reason it's uncomfortable is because we as parents always want to have the answers. So like True. kid comes to you with a problem because something bad happened. Um, 
if I don't know how to answer that, that's not good. So instead, let's pretend it's not there. Right. Let's say, or we say something like, "Oh, it's no big deal," mm-hmm. or move past it. Mm-hmm. Or my least favorite is, "You haven't moved past that yet." Mm-hmm. Or you know, like um, I have a friend who her she lost her mother about ten years ago. And her significant other is sometimes challenged by the fact that she still needs to grieve that loss, that she cries, you know, every once in a while and that she really needs to let go. And, you know, he doesn't understand that or he tells her he doesn't understand that, you know, he doesn't understand why she's still crying. Right. And you guys, we, you know, when we have a loss, that pain, it doesn't need to stay with us every minute, every second of the day, but it's still there. But at what point does that maybe come, let's just say you you suffered a great loss. Okay. Let's just pretend you did. And it ends up just being one of the only things that you focus on. Me, I, I think I eventually would get sick of helping well, let's you. Let's talk about something real. Okay. Because okay? we've already talked about on the show that I've had, I've had two miscarriages in Correct. my life. Okay. Correct. Both were devastating and, um, and I experienced a lot of grief and sure. with that. Um, so in both situations, mm-hmm. um, I'll just focus on one, you know, in the last time that it happened, um, I needed to talk about how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. I needed to be able to cry when I needed to cry. And the more you gave me space to do that. Right. The more that you just consoled me and didn't try and make me feel better. I mean, you tried to make me feel better by hugging me, but you didn't say, "Oh, right. it's okay." Well, what I in, after the first one, I don't know how much I said this, but I kind of have an idea that I said things like, "We'll have another one. This was meant to be. The baby wouldn't have thrived, so this all happened for, for a reason." reason. Right. And you did not want to hear anything close to that. No. You just wanted me to let you be sad. Well, honestly, let's talk about what you're trying to do. What are you trying to do with those comments? What is your, again... I'm trying to get you past this so we can move on and move on to the next thing. But what, let's talk about the feelings. What are you really trying to stop in that moment? Your sadness. Exactly. Right. And so if we can take responsibility for that and, and what... You know, not shut down the sadness, but open up space mm-hmm. so I can be sad. And the more I can get those feelings out and talk about those feelings, the faster I'll heal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what most parents and, you know, significant, you know, partners are afraid of is they think if they open those floodgates that they'll never stop. Right. They think that if they talk about it, then it somehow makes it more real or that it's going to stick around longer. And the truth is that healing comes from validating, from discussing, from processing, from moving it through. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a visual when I think about emotions. I see things in my head. And when you have a, a heavy emotion, if it be grief or sadness or anger, you've got to work it through. Mm-hmm. You've got to work it through your body. And the way I do that is talking about it. You have different ways. Yes. What I, do you do? I get inside my head and I go to caveman mode. Sometimes. But what else do you do as far as you go Exercise. Yes. I need to get out and sweat some of this emotion out of my system. And that's we, you know, one of our teachers once said to Todd, you know, your tears are through sweat. Right. And my tears are more literal. You your know, your I, tears are through tears. <laughs> <laughs> my tears are through crying. Yeah, your tears are through um, crying. But so the point is, is that I think, don't you think most people are afraid if they start a conversation that they're going to lose themselves in it, if they actually ask someone how they're feeling mm-hmm. or start processing through that emotion that they're not going to be able to get out of it. Don't you think that's most people's fear? I do. I do. And, you know, to try to bring a different example to the table, um, you know, as long as we're talking about 
uh, kids is, you know, I think we've even used this example, but your kid's on the, on his or her bike and she falls off or he falls off and she skins her knee real bad. And, you know, you'll say something like, oh, it's not that bad or you'll be okay. You'll be okay. Or, pat, pat, pat. Yeah, yeah. Come on, get up. Let's do it again. And instead, what I have learned through watching you parent is, wow, that really looks like it hurt. Or just pick them up and say, ouch. And hug them. And hug them. And you don't have to say anything after that. The thing that's so great about kids, and I think not just kids, but anybody, is if you hold them Mm -hmm. and allow them to cry and you say, ouch, and maybe nothing else, Mm -hmm. then you don't need to say, get up again. Mm -hmm. They get up on their own. And so do you think we could, you and I could do a better definition of what it means to hold the space for somebody? Um, I don't know. Can we? Well, you can you give it from your perspective? Because I think holding space is a huge part well, of allowing for emotions. I think holding space are things that you've already talked about on the show, which is validation, taking a step back, allowing, listening, instead of fixing and, and being assertive. If, if I'm trying to hold space for you to let you get something out of your system, I'm just going to be supportive, non-judgmental, and listen. And what's so key to that is going back to what uh, Todd and I talked about at the very beginning when Zen Parenting Radio first started. We talked a lot about self-care. We dedicated a whole month to self-care. So for those of you who haven't heard that, go back in our archive on our website, zenparentingradio.com, and listen to the first month of Zen Parenting because we talked about how to take care of yourself. Because if you are not taking care of yourself, how is it even possible to hold the space for someone else if you are completely overloaded if you are completely full and you have nothing to give and you're exhausted and you just are doing things forever you know you're all over the place there is no way you can hold the space for your children or for your significant other Mm -hmm. it's so hard or for your friends you know because you're too full already and that is why i always say self-care is for you but it's also for your family Mm -hmm. because if you take care of yourself and you you know, you're more happy because mm-hmm. of it. Obviously, it's for you. But then that allows your family to get more of you because you're more full. So what you're saying is that if you don't do stuff like that, then you can have all the tools in the world. But unless your tank is full, it's very difficult to use some of these techniques or some of these ideas to your full benefit. Well, yeah, and we experience that all the time. I mean, I actually last night just experienced that you were traveling mm-hmm. and um, I had you'd been gone for a few days. And so I do pretty well when you're traveling for a while, but usually the night before you come home, yeah. I start to kind of be like, oh my gosh, I need to be alone. And I'm not, I don't have as much. A little grumpy. I'm a little grumpy. Don't yeah. have as much to offer the girls. And I'm, but I'm very, I take responsibility for that because okay. I know it's not their fault. Right. So I, you know, I say things like girls, you know, just I'm going to sit here for a little bit. I'm going to read. You go do your thing. Or, you know, they'll say, come read this to me. And I'll say, you know, well, I Well, didn't that happen last night where something happened and... Um, right. That's that's what I'm getting okay, to. Okay, sorry. That's the story that I was about to tell is that I was grumpy mm-hmm. and then, you know, doing my thing. And then the girls went out to play and then they came back in and I felt a little better. And I said, and uh, one of my daughters said, to, or actually I said to her, just so you know, I'm just exhausted. This has nothing to do with you guys. Mm-hmm. And my oldest daughter said... It doesn't. She goes, I thought you were mad at us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I've heard that before. But I said, oh, no, honey. I said, this is about me. I'm tired. You guys haven't done anything. And just that small example can tell you guys what your children are thinking when you are grumpy and overloaded. What What do they think? They think it's they about think them. They think it's their problem. Well, yeah, they think they, it's their fault. Yeah, they did it. Yeah. They, they think they're the ones... They're the behavior that caused you to be grumpy. Exactly. And now they, they may have had a role in that, mm-hmm. but 
are they really the ones who caused it or is it everything else that's going on in right, the day? Right, right. And so you can only imagine children um, who parents are divorcing. Right, yeah. What, what are they went, feeling? Yeah, my parents got divorced and, you know, I, there was definitely plenty of time where I, you know, I blame myself. I'm sure my sibling. I think any kids who are the product of divorce, I think 99% of them have moments where they say, if I just would have done this, then that would have been it. And it took a long time to figure out that really it had very little to do with me. And it's so confusing. I mean, I know this is a little tangential, but your parents will say, you know, I, I, I love, I still love your dad. It's just, we're not going to live. We're not going to live together. It's like, Oh my God, it makes no sense whatsoever. And I think they're just trying to say anything they can to make you feel better. But that's so confusing. Well, for a child who's a little more black and white in their thinking, well, we're, and you know, actually I'm going back to Dr. Newman, Dr. Gary Newman, who was on Oprah. One thing he said is children don't look at their parents as like, you're a person, you're a person. They look at their family as a whole. As a unit. So it's all a unit. And the reason I know that is because Skylar always says mama when she's talking to me. Yes. She calls you mama. That's right, Daddy, Mama, Mama, Daddy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? All of our girls did yeah, that. Yeah, they all remember J- I remember JC used to do that too, yeah. Mama, Daddy, Daddy, Mama. Yeah. Basically, what they're saying is caretaker. Yeah. Person who takes care of hey, me. Hey, person who feeds me <laughs> and changes my diaper. Hey, you, get over here. Hey, you, immediately. So exactly, you know, so when one of those people um, all of a sudden isn't in the family anymore, isn't living there, you can only imagine mm-hmm. the pain. Right. Now, <clears throat> that's not to make, to bring about all this guilt for those of you who are listening who have gone through a divorce. That is just to acknowledge the what your kids are experiencing. And then the next step is to take that information and know that your children need to process through those feelings, not just once, not just the day you tell them, right. not two weeks later, mm-hmm. not not just a month later, but maybe three years later. You know, and you don't have to make it a big thing like let's sit down and talk about this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things where every once in a while you say, "Honey, how you been doing?" Right. With you know, dad or mom not being here, how, how have you been doing? And be open to whatever they say, because one of our good guy friends who um, is going through a divorce, he was telling us that. Um, he was saying things to his kids like, uh, you know, we were telling them now they have two houses that they can play right. in and now they have two sets of friends and now they have two backyards. And those are wonderful things to say, mm-hmm. but you also have to leave room for the grief part. Yes. Yes. That absolutely needs to play a role you need, because it's a loss. It's a loss. And you need to acknowledge that loss. And instead of paint this rosy picture of this divorce, you can do that. But at the same time, you at least need to provide the space to allow sadness to come in. Exactly. And so our favorite word, balance. Mm -hmm. Of course you need to show them how this is going to be better or explain why, you know, why this is happening and, and paint the best picture you can. But you also need to say and let them know whenever you need to talk about this, Mm -hmm. we can. And the, the point that you and I were talking about last night don't just wait for them to come to you. Right. Because a lot of parents will say, I'm here for you. I'm here for come you. Come talk to me. And and this is more, I think of this more as when our kids are a little bit older, when they're in their teenage years. And but maybe younger too. Maybe younger. And you say as a parent, you know, I'm always here. My door is open. Let's, and what do we say? Why do we think that that isn't such a... Good statement. Well, kids aren't going to come to you all out of the blue and knock on the door. Sometimes they will. Maybe. And you know what? Some of the things that we're trying to do, um, something that Todd and I are working very hard on while our kids are little, is starting those kind of conversations early, giving our kids kind of ways that they can communicate with us, um, doing things like at dinner, mm-hmm. all of us going around the circle and talking about our day. We're trying to create ways where our children feel comfortable coming to us. Right. And I think so far we've it's been really great. 
But a lot of the times, especially going back to what you said in those preteen, teenage years, it's so uncomfortable for them to come to you. It is really helpful if we go to them. Right. So, yeah, I, I kind of have a visual like, you know, what what might happen is me as a parent, I'll say, you know, come talk to me if you're ever going through anything and what you're saying, and I agree with, there's going to be plenty of times where the kids don't want to initiate. Right. And it is up to us as the caretakers, as the parents, as the people who have more experience on how to deal with this stuff, that we have to cross that line and meet them closer to where they are. Right. And instead of waiting for them to cross, you know, the line that divides the you know, the parent and the child, instead of waiting for them to walk over the line, we need to reach out to them. It, it, you know, this kind of connects to a show we did a few weeks ago about how the parents need to take more responsibility for healing mm-hmm. if conflict between child and parent, mm-hmm. that the parent has to be the parent yeah. and the adult. And this is another situation. If we just say to our kids, hey, come to me when you want, that might help. Right. But that may be 20% of the time. Right. The other 80%, it's helpful if we begin those conversations. But I want to be clear, that doesn't mean we badger our children. Mm-hmm. Like when they come home from school, we say, tell us something. You know, right. you know. so often, you know, I'll, the girls will get in the car, we'll be walking home, and I'll say, how was your day? Great. Mm-hmm. You know, what happened? Nothing. And so, but we've got to find more creative well, ways. Well, and this, I don't know how relevant this is, but, you know, I used to always say to the girls, how was school? And the answer they always get is good. Right. And what I've been doing now is kind of getting an idea of what they do on every day. So I know Wednesday is the yes. day that Cameron has art. I'll say, how was art today? Yes. What did you do? And if it was Friday and JC was in gym, I'd say, what did you do in gym today? Give them open-ended questions because, you know, my parents always used to ask me how school was. And I'd say, good. And, you know. That was it. Talk about a conversation stopper. (laughs) And you're trying to be a good parent. You're trying to engage. And you're like, God, these kids, they just don't listen. you got to reframe the question in a way where it makes it easier for them to expound. And the other thing we've talked about on the show is not to... Sit down across a table and you know decide that you're going to have this big heavy talk because it never too happens. It's too mm-hmm. intense. You know, I've said you know you can do it in the car where everybody's looking out in one direction, or you can do it while you're watching a show, or you can do it while you're listening to music. If it, if you sit across the table from somebody, whether it's your kid or anybody else, it's a pretty the energy is a little bit higher. So it's you can tougher. sit with your little kids while they're coloring and mm-hmm. color with them and right. ask them questions because if they're able to kind of look down every once in a while, and not have to make constant eye contact with you, it's not as overwhelming. Right. You know. So and and that's exactly it. And I love your example of we have to know what our kids are experiencing during the day. We have to every once in a while. Um, either volunteer at school mm-hmm. or, you know, know what they're, what's going on so we can ask meaningful questions. You know, like one of my daughters said one day, um, you know, something was going on at lunch, you know, with one of her friends. And so the next day I said, hey, how was everything going with your friend who was having difficulty at lunch? I had it in yeah, so I need, could ask a really specific question. Yeah. And she was like, oh, it was better and blah, blah, blah. And she explained. But I started the conversation on a note that she could carry it mm-hmm. through, you mm-hmm. know, rather than how was the day? Mm-hmm. How was lunch? And then and then those are, you know, then that's when we end up saying things like my kid never talks to me. Mm-hmm. Well, we got to figure out more creative ways. I don't know how I got this response, but a good friend of mine named John, um, we, we had an email exchange about parenting and he responded very generally. He said, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. Mm. And he's got some older kids in their 20s and all that. And, you know, we have little kids, relatively mm-hmm. speaking, eight, six, and three. And as much as I, I thought about that statement, do you think that's true? Uh, I think it is true. I, I think, think it the depends. older your kids get, the, the higher the higher the 
potential danger is. I don't know. Well, this is the way I look at it. When our kids are little, when they're younger, there's a lot of physical demands. Mm -hmm. You know, so physically, the lack of sleep, the picking kids up. You know, like this morning I was trying to do something, and in a three-minute period of time, Skylar asked me to do 10 things. Get this. Open the door. Do this. So there's these physical demands where it kind of wears on our sense of being. I think what happens when our kids get older is we have to have a lot more tools like the ones we're talking about now to keep the connection. Right. And that we have to, it's more of a leap of faith. Right. That we have to trust that what we instilled when they were little, that our kids are going to keep applying. So I think when they get older, the reason why, you know, your friend would say big problems is because it's a more of an emotional, you know, challenge rather than the physical. Plus you have less control. Completely. But that's why it's so important. I'm going to talk to, you know, the parents of who have younger children. That's why it's important to start these things when they're little you know, the talking about feelings, the having ways that we communicate, the taking time for yourself so you have space for your kids. Mm-hmm. Th- these are not things that we wait until they're 13 and, and then say, okay, now I'm going to be available. We have to instill these things early. And so when we do come to them and say, hey, I'd love to hear about your day, they don't say, well, you've never asked me before. Right. Why do you want to know now? It's something they're used to. Right. It's something they know what our response is. And then again, I have to say this, we've said it on other shows when we're listening to not be judgmental mm-hmm. and to not throw out a bunch of lessons. Because the odds of them coming back to you are nil. Minimal. Yeah. Right. If you if they come to you with something pretty big, the odds of them coming to you again or and you say to them, you know, well how'd that happen and how'd you let that happen and tell me more about it and blah, and you become too overwhelmed by it, mm-hmm. they're not gonna come to you again. Can I backtrack one second? Sure. Um, little kids. Um, recent, this is one other example that I just thought of. Uh, there was a time in the last week where our older daughter was doing something to upset our middle daughter. JC was doing something. Okay. And it, I feel like she was doing it on purpose. Okay. And it was driving me a little crazy. Okay. Because that's what kids do. They right. drive you crazy. Right. And it got to the point where Cameron just started crying, okay. really bawling. And there was a part of me that wanted to get mad and discipline JC in that moment. And what I did, and I think that maybe other parents can get something out of this, is I just picked up Cameron and I just hugged her. And the reason I felt like that was a good idea was, one, I think if I give Cameron the attention, then it is, you know, because I think what J.C. was in a position where she wanted attention. So Mm -hmm. she did something Mm -hmm. to push the buttons of Cameron because she knew that maybe she'd get more attention, whether it's negative or positive, Mm -hmm. from me. So instead, I just embraced Cameron, and I just kind of let her cry. And didn't say anything. And I didn't really say anything to JC. And that doesn't mean that you never kind of discipline or anything. But And you weren't trying to be negative. You weren't trying to ignore her like in a negative way. 90% of me was all there with Cameron. But there's another part of me that says, you know, I I want to reward Cameron for allowing these feelings and and not really coming in strong-handed with disciplinary measures. Because and solving the problem. And solving the problem, saying, JC, you know, give that back to your sister. Instead, all I did was pick her up and let Cameron cry. And then, I, you know, i got to be honest, I probably gave JC a little bit of a look. You know, mm-hmm. parents have those looks. Yeah, the look. We all have our own looks. I tried not to do it, but I couldn't stop myself. <laughs> I couldn't stop myself. So anyways, that's just something that I think is Well, pretty- and, you know, you and I'm always focused on words, but mm-hmm. you just said I wanted to reward Cameron. And how about instead acknowledge? Acknowledge because and allow her to process. Exactly. Give her that space to share, you know, to let that emotion out and not tell her she's okay. I, all I said not- was what happened, and she didn't even want to answer right. me. She just kept crying. And kids are so resilient. Actually, in both books, my mm-hmm. new book's coming out soon, mm-hmm. but in both books, I write articles about how 
we can really stand back from our kids and let them cry and let them, you know, get their emotion out. I mean, we can hug them too, but really not say anything. Right. And they will recover. They mm. have a natural ability to recover. It's when we tell them to not feel a certain way or we put, tell them to stop doing what they're doing or tell them that it's not okay that they're feeling that way, mm. that's when they revolt right. and can't get over it. Yeah. And if we could see that, and but we're too scared to dive into it. We're like, oh. I know. But if we could see that, I think we'd see a lot better uh, response from our children. You talked about your book. And I you did. have another book coming out. But for, for anybody who's relatively new or doesn't have your first book, the way I describe it, it's kind of a chicken soup for the soul for parents. Yeah. So, you know, they got those chicken soup for the soul books. So yours, but instead of a bunch of people writing the stories, they're all your yeah. stories and how we learned from, um, you know, parenting our kids and, and how we became self-aware. So if that interests you at all, uh, go to uh, our Facebook page or Zen Parenting Radio. Or um, I have a Facebook page for my book. It's called The Self-Aware, Self-Aware Parent. Parent. So and, order it. Um, yeah, order it. And then the new one, Self-Aware Parent 2, is coming out. Coming out soon. So, And then what else do you have? And our sponsor, Avid Company, who I love dearly, mm-hmm. who has done so much work in our house, who we trust so immensely. And I really, for all of you who are planning on doing something to your house, if it be painting or more like a big, you know, a new kitchen, a basement, whatever, I really recommend that you give these guys a call. At least get an estimate from them. Uh, the number is 630-956-1800. The website is avidco, A-V-I-D-C-O dot net. Um, they're great. We wouldn't be, they wouldn't be our sponsor if they weren't. Give them a call. And now it's movie line time. My movie line is... 60% of the time, it works <laughs> every time. If you know what that's from, uh, check out our Facebook page. So th- this is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Saying, see you next week. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.